At about 9.30 on the night of April 25th, 1973, a man named Henry McDaniel heard a scratching sound at his front door. He looked out and he saw something he thought was a bear. But I can assure you, it was no bear. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the Enfield Monster. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist recording studio. We are no longer in the basement, ladies and gentlemen. We're stepping up in the world, and uh, we've signed a lease with Scar Store Idiots, and we, <laughs> we're going to start recording yeah, in an on. actual in an actual recording recording studio. studio. In a very nice office. It is not very the nice. nice office I've ever seen. No, we just saw a nicer <laughs> office, and it's like we needed uh, Q clearance to get there, or what's that one majestic twelve clearance? Mm. Whatever we needed, we didn't have. Yeah, it really did feel like I needed military clearance to yeah. be in there. I was like, Jesus. So uh, good news, you did a little uh, road trip and. We posted those pictures on your from your little ex- field trip. I'm, I'm still in Facebook jail, but yeah, we went down to the um, the Flying J, the Grundy County auction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I went down to the Flying J in Resaca to check it out. And man, let me tell you, it may have been because I knew what happened, but boy, do you get some creepy vibes walking in there. He's like, man, something ain't right. I know, man. When you sent that, I, we drove by the week after we did that and just down 75. Mm-hmm. And just looking from 75, it's isolated from 75. You All you can see is the like the big road sign. You can't yeah, even I see didn't the, even realize that it was off the interstate. I actually went a back way, and I was like, oh, the interstate's right there. I could have took the interstate. But you're right. You can only see the Flying J sign. You can't see the actual store. And when you go behind the Flying J looking for the dumpster, let me tell you, brother, you can you'll understand one hundred percent the moment you see this place. It would not be hard at all to traffic a young lady from that place. Yeah, and we kind of talk via text and stuff. I, you know, those of you that have listened to that episode, it's episode eighty. Um, we feel like she ran out of there, got into the wrong car or the wrong semi-truck, and unfortunately, she was either trafficked or, you know, something worse. Yeah, going to be like, oh, sweetie, what's wrong? You, you yeah. look upset. Well, you just, you just want to get in my, my truck? I can take you wherever you need to go. Well, I got to go back to Chatsworth. Well, I'm going north, and then you're gone. Yep. Done. Because once you hit the 24 split, buddy, it's you can go north on 65, south on 65, east or west. I mean, it's it's not something not something that you want to think about. Yeah, you definitely but want some to. good news, we got a new Patreon patron. Nice. We got Miss Jane Cherry. She joined at the three dollar level, and her uh, glorious decal is on its way to her address. But thank you, Miss. Jane Cherry. We also got uh, some shout outs. I'm, some... I'm pretty sure this lady left us a five star review as well. If you want me to like to read yeah, it, yeah, you go ahead. We do the shout outs. Best lighthearted humor and camaraderie. Five stars. I love this mix of true crime, cryptozoology, UFOs, and 
other unsolved mysteries. Maybe Bigfoot really exists. The giant squid is real. I love the episodes on the Men in Black, UFO, Poisoning, and Bigfoot. I would love them to cover Death in Ice Valley, the Death in Ice Valley case or other spy-like cases, but can't really complain about anything except episode four. I could not finish that one. Bad audio is the enemy. Keep, my, keep me smiling. I can't believe there are only 744 followers on Facebook. What a tragedy. Now, did you already go back and see what four was? Let's see what four was and let's defend ourselves. On guard. Uh, if you're listening, please don't listen to Chad Maurer. Something was very wrong with it. We had brand new audio and it was it's bad. So please skip that episode if the bad audio in episode four bothers you. Well, and in episode... Oh, it was the Jennings 8. Yeah, yeah the Jennings it, 8 was horrible. Yeah, because it was, uh, not only was audio bad, you talked for seven and a seven half and hours. Seven and a half hours, yes. <laughs> and that was awful. So, yeah, that's we both agree with you yeah. on that one. Listen to our worst of episode. Yeah. Top f- top ten worst episodes, and you'll know that we agree with you wholeheartedly. So, thank you very much for the review. Now, give us a shout-out my brother. Well, we got... Um, Mr. Thomas Samuels heard his small business shout out, and they all high-fived each other, and he said, man, I'm in Madison County, Arkansas, and I've been spreading the word for about a year now. I hope it's been paying off. It, the Arkansas people have are the best people because we truly do get a bunch of downloads from Arkansas. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it, and we appreciate you. And then uh, Miss Tracy Brock Dunford, you'll remember she owns Dee's Irish Tavern. She said she was ecstatic to hear, and she will be sending us a uh, business card. We'll be sending her some uh, swag so she can put up in the old uh, Baytown Irish pub. So she is ecstatic, too. So, again, if you have a small business and you listen to our two dumbasses, we will give you a shout-out, and we will put you on the socials. All we need the is social. a logo, and we can start discussing some uh, some monthly things, too. Well, I got... Uh, Twitter, yeah, that'd be nice. I got a Twitter uh, shout out that I tag, actually tagged her in, as a recommendation, and I guess she listened. So that's awesome. I'm sorry. Did you assume? It, no. Oh, you assumed. I, no, I misread. <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you misread Caleb? I don't know, but I did. So, Caleb at CLL Jones said, "I was chastised once in college for quote unquote storing a craft beer oh, wrong." Yeah. Luckily, the hosts of this pod are some good old boys more at home with a Miller Lite in hand. Good hangs talking about aliens and stuff. Though I appreciate that 100%. I do like a Miller Diet Miller, but he don't. No, I'm a craft beer guy, but it's our laziness sometimes. that. <laughs> I didn't know there was a wrong way to store craft beer. Absolutely there is, and we're not going to get into it because I don't want to tick this listener off. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it off air, but yes. Anyway. My bad. <laughs> I guess I don't keep craft beer long enough for it to be stored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like no. Yeah. I don't store it. I but consume the, it. But yeah. But in the fridge for I don't know day, twenty four hours max, six hours max. As soon as it gets cold. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all of the, the 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 BS. So we will get into why you tune in, and that is this week we are talking about the infield horror. Bro, we're not gonna drink. We're not gonna drink a beer. This no, time. we ain't drinking beer, man. All right, so today we're drinking Lagunitas, and since it is 12 noon <laughs> on a Thursday, we're going to be drinking their daytime IPA. It is very 
Uh, I can't find the... Oh, yeah, well, if I look at the damn can... Genius. 4% ABV, so we could probably drink 15 of these and still drive, but we're probably going to drink two, so... Yeah. Anyway, it's freaking good. That's all I know. Anyway, moving on to the case. So the infield hard... Wait one second. I was bitching earlier when I was was on the way up here listening to a podcast. I was like, God dang, get to the case. I know. And And then here we are, eight minutes. We turned around and did the same (laughs) thing. All right, get to the case. All right, so on April 25th, 1973, a young boy named Greg Garrett claimed to have been attacked by a unique creature while he was playing in his backyard. Greg described the being as having a minimum of three legs, a grayish, slimy skin, short claws, and reddish eyes. The creature apparently stomped on his feet with its three clawed feet and shredded Greg's tennis shoes. Yeah, the description of this creature when we get to posting it, and we're going to post the photos of it, it is unlike anything you've ever seen in your life. So if you came across it in real life, there would be no way you're not scarred for life. Yeah. You are scarred. And so the way they describe this thing is going to match the, the the young man you 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 stated he's going to have the first enc- encounter, but he's going to be the second one to report it. Correct. So, yes, that is. Now he was the like Coach said the first, technically, the first on record, but he was the second reported. Yeah. Because just a half hour after young Greg's tennis shoes were shredded and he ran back to his parents' house hysterically. A neighbor of Greg's, Mr. Henry McDaniel Sr., and his family had their own encounter. At about 9.30 in the evening on April 25th, same night, the McDaniels came home to find their two children, Henry Jr. and Lil, in a terrified stupor. And the way it was explained in what I read was basically they were almost catatonic, but they were able to kind of get out some words, but it was... Fright 100%. The children claimed that, quote, a thing had tried to break into the house through the door and a window-mounted air conditioner while their parents were gone. It was then that, at that moment, in the living room, they heard a scratching sound coming from the front door. Almost like on cue, which is kind of suspicious, but... Yeah. Now, assuming that this was some sort of nighttime animal Henry Sr. approached the door and yanked it open trying to prove to his children that it's nothing more than a possum or a raccoon behold a raccoon (laughs) and what he saw shook him to the core there standing on his front steps was the same red eye creature that had terrified his children and attacked Greg Garrett less than an hour earlier Henry Sr. backed away from the creature in disbelief and shut the door. He then ran to a nearby closet, retrieved a flashlight and his trusty 22 pistol. And while the family watched, he went back to the door, yanked it open, and to his amazement, he wasn't A, hallucinating, and the thing was still there. 
And he described the creature to the police as, quote, it had three legs on it, a short body, two little short arms coming out of its breast area, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish colored. It was trying to get into the house, end quote. Yeah, and the third leg is going to be um, described as not touching the ground. Like it's basically like a gimpy little, gimpy little um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tripod? Mutation. <laughs> well, I mean, it could have been a could have been could have been a penis. Could have been could have been. So Henry Senior. At this point, we can't rule out penis. <laughs> we tried. So Henry Senior opens fire, and he hits it immediately. But instead of falling to the ground, wounded or dead, this creature merely absorbed the rounds like you pissed it off. And Henry Sr. is quoted as saying that as he hit it, it, quote, hissed like a wildcat. He then fired four more shots and assured everyone who ever asked him that he did not miss. Quote, when I fired that first shot, I know I hit it, end quote. The creature then took off into the night, covering a distance of approximately 50 feet in a series of three leaps before disappearing into some brush along a railroad embankment on the L N line in front of Henry's house. Well, no matter what, if you can make 50 feet in three leaps, the other two legs are working. Quite well. Yeah, so. So Henry Sr. calls the authorities, but when Illinois State Troopers arrived, the only evidence that they could find was a series of scratches in the siding of the home and dog-like prints in the yard. What made the prints so unusual was the fact that they had six toe pads and they represented a three-footed animal with one track being slightly smaller than the others. It did say three tracks? Oh, man, my, my research was wrong. Well, one of ours is, but I don't know if mine's right. Yeah. Unfortunately... I'm going to go with yours because okay. it, it, it's, a, you know... Unfortunately, <laughs> Henry Sr. on the evening of May 6th was awakened in the middle of the night by the howling of some neighborhood dogs. So this is roughly two weeks. Yeah, roughly two weeks after the first encounter. So he gets out of bed, grabs his pistol again, opens his front door, but this time he stated that he watched this same creature slowly trying to negotiate the trestles of the railroad tracks in front of his house. Hmm. And he's quoted as saying, quote, I saw something moving out on the railroad track, and there it stood. I didn't shoot at it or anything. It started on down the railroad track. It wasn't in a hurry or anything, end quote. Yeah, I saw my research was saying it was just strolling along the railroad track. You, yours said struggling, strolling, struggling. It's it wasn't just, in a hurry. It wasn't in a hurry. So whatever. So as is always in the case with crazy events such as this, it was not long before the media got wind of the weirdness, and they came out in full regalia. Although the first events had made the papers, it was not until the second encounter that the town of Enfield would be what some people quoted as ground zero for a journalistic hurricane. Now, White County Sheriff Roy Posher Jr. was so angry by the sudden influx of press and curiosity seekers not to mention all of the local residents being in a tizzy, he threatened Henry Sr. by saying that if he did not stop inciting panic by spreading his wild, terrifying tales, he would put him in jail. 
Oh, Lord, you better stop, boy. You done made everybody crazy. You done got people riled up, and we don't like that around here. Don't know why. That was that's my Louisiana accent. But he might have been from Louisiana if he was in Illinois. You never know. You he, never know. You can't tell these you things. You can't tell these things. <laughs> now, what makes it even worse was that there were some well-armed posses <laughs> of amateur monster hunters patrolling the area on the L&L railroad tracks. Well, that wouldn't really be a problem, except... When you're with your friends at night in the woods, you tend to do something most people don't want you having a gun when you do. That's drinking. Yeah, they were drinking. Not a good idea. No. It was on one of these, quote, hunts that five young men allegedly had a run-in with the creature. This time, the description changed, and these five men added that it was hairy. Allegedly, the men discovered the creature hiding in the underbrush and proceeded to open fire on it but just like in henry senior's case their bullets were shrugged off and the creature took off at a speed that the eyewitnesses would estimate was in excess of anything that a human being could achieve now the final eyewitness of this weird creature was mr rick rainbow we got some awesome names in our in our cases rick rainbow he was the news director of radio station WWKI in Kokomo, India. No, no, no. That's Indiana. Kokomo? Kokomo. Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you to Bermuda. Bahama. Come on, pretty mama. Oh, we're going to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that we, I think we reached the absolute limit. Right there. Before, before they sue you. Okay. So, Mr. Shit. <laughs> Mr. Rainbow and three other unnamed individuals claim to have seen a gray, stooping, five-foot-tall creature lurking outside of an abandoned house not far from the Garrett and McDaniels homes. Although they did not have a close or harrowing encounter as the Garretts or the McDaniels, Rainbow and his crew did manage to do one thing the others had not. That was tape record the monster's disturbing scream. Now, in, Can you give us an impression of it? No, it was like a wildcat. No, but I, I looked. I can't find anything that I would trust on YouTube that is remotely what I would think authentic. But the famed cryptozoologist, Mr. Lauren Coleman, arrived in Enfield, Illinois, to investigate the eyewitness claims as well as the sound recording. Coleman also heard the haunting cry of the creature while searching an area where eyewitnesses claim to have seen this thing. He is on record stating, quote, I traveled to Enfield, interviewed the witnesses, looked at the siding of the house the Enfield monster had damaged, heard some strange screeching banshee-like sounds, and walked away bewildered, end quote. Now you can do a banshee call. I could, but <laughs> you get on to me for yelling in the mic, so I'm not going that to. Is, that is, well, that's true. You got me there. <laughs> So, in July of 1974, in an edition of Fake Magazine, Mr. Lauren Coleman and Mr. Jerome Clark wrote an article entitled, Swamp Slobs Invade Illinois. And this was their depiction of the Enfield Horror Case. In the article, Coleman chronicled his discussion regarding this case with famed paranormal investigator and best-selling author of The Mothman Prophecies, Prophecies, not prophecies. <laughs> One of them are properties, man. The Mothman prophecies, Mr. John Keel. This reminds me 
of my exchange with Keel, Coleman stated. In 1973, when we were discussing the new reports out of Illinois from Enfield, on April 25, 1973, Mr. and Mrs. Henry McDaniel returned to their home, and Henry had an encounter with a thing that looked like it had three legs, two pink eyes as big as flashlights, and short arms on a four-and-a-half-feet-tall, grayish-colored body along the LNN railroad tracks in front of his house. End quote. Other investigators have suggested that the monster was associated with several UFO sightings that allegedly happened in the region during the same time period. Others took a supernatural aspect and asserted that the creature, with its tendencies to be aggressive towards humans and their homes, had all the earmarks of the classic demon attack. Now, this would not be the first time that it had been suggested that there is an apparent ET-slash-occult connection. While the phenomenon are not directly related to each other, the primary witnesses in the Northport Devil case, Michael Rowley, also claims that creatures that have been sneaking around the house he shares with his son in the West Florida community of Northport are both extraterrestrial and demonic, making them, quote, aliens from hell. Now, it should be noted that between the years of 1941 and 1942 in the little town of Mount Vernon, less than 40 miles away from Enfield, there was a similar series of encounters involving an anomalous, quote, leaping creature that terrorized the local residents and was reportedly responsible for numerous animal deaths in the area. Eyewitnesses claim that the Mount Vernon monster was a baboon-like, hence the devil monkey and swamp ape analogies, and it was also said this Mount Vernon monster was able to leap 20 to 40 feet in a single bound. Author Rob Morphy wonders if the infield horror, whatever it may be, is working on a 30-year cycle. He is quoted as stating, while there are no reputable accounts of the creature from the 21st century, one cannot entirely count out the possibility that the thing is a long slumbering anatomical oddity that rears its head every so often to feed on animals and terrify locals. Or, stranger yet, an ET that only stops by for a bite every so often when it's in the neck of the galaxy. You ready? Yep. Oh, yeah. So whatever this creature was, it has not been reported in almost 40 years. That does not mean that it's not still lurking in the shadows of some old train yard or railroad tracks just waiting to make its famous return. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the only encounters that we know well, about. Well, it's like four encounters in the span of, what, three weeks? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. As to why that is, you know, we can, let's get into the, get into the theories. Because the theories are going to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, folks. Now, one theory, like we stated, is it is, people have said that it was supernatural, demonic in nature. Others have stated that it was some kind of weird UFO alien. Which, that, it could be. Yeah. Either of those are that, ex that explains the short amount of time it was here. Maybe it got picked up and it's gone. Yeah, and it also explains why it's not been seen since. There was, what is it, the Flatwoods monster? Wasn't it the one that came down from a UFO? I think, because it was investigated. Wasn't that the one, Flatwoods, wasn't it the one that came into Project Blue Book? Oh, definitely, but I'm trying to remember the, the let me look it up real quick. Yeah. 
They they that's before. I think that's the one they figured out was uh, an owl. The owl, yeah. Yeah. But, Which they pretty much proved that that happened. Yeah, but they couldn't explain why the whole place had been set on fire. So again, because they found a meteor. That's why it was on place was on fire, and it just so happened that this big ass screech owl that this was up big there ass hollering. Screech owl was like, "Damn man, what y'all done? Y'all done messed it up. Yeah, I'm eating that, these grubs. That's, yeah, that's the one. The other theory is that it is some kind of hybrid creature. Of I read a released ape and a chubacabra, but that's before chubacabras were known to be chubacabras. Well, what about it being interdimensional? That would it could be also interdimensional. That would explain why it was only here for a little while, never seen again, because it found its way back. But it could also be four encounters in two weeks would make me believe. It's a hoax. Or a mass hallucination. That, I would think that the hoax... Perpetuates. Perpetuates mass delusion. Yeah. And mass panic. It could be both. It could have been one leading to the other. I didn't find if anybody profited it off of... I didn't see where the McDaniels and no, that little they boy didn't. sure didn't. They, no, they didn't. But here's the thing. When you, Here's the thing. is uh, McDaniel reported it first. Correct. Okay? Then doing interviews, they find the boy. The boy recounts something extremely similar in in uh, appearance, but it's also verified that he told his parents that night. He told his parents before McDaniel sighting, so that co- kind of corroborates the, the 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 whole thing. Is that the parents are going to be like, no, he told us like as soon as he came in, and it was approximately blah blah blah. Is approximately 8:45, and then McDaniel's is not at 9:30. So how do you, how does a little boy describe something in that kind of detail that matches what an, a man describes in that kind of detail of that well horrifying detail? Because that thing is nasty looking, nasty looking bugger. Now the other thing is also I think McDaniel had an opportunity when he's recounting his sighting. To elaborate or, you know, make it even more grandiose with the first, when I opened the door, there it was. And I was like, pew, 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 pew. Yeah. Anyways, I started blasting. I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> but he states that he went back, grabbed his pistol, and then to his amazement, A, it was still there, but B, he shot and it shrugged it off. So... Then you go to the five men searching the railroad tracks. McDaniel sees it again between the, his second or his first sighting and the men. He has his second sighting. And then, you know, Coleman states that he heard the recording and it sounded like a banshee. I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you could have a rabid mountain lion or bobcat maybe. But it's, that doesn't explain the three feet in the well, prints. Well, there's going to be a rumor. A rumor? That, or a hypothesis that it was simply an escaped kangaroo. In Illinois. And I'm just saying. I saw that. I, I thought that was another story. But, yeah, I did see that. If, if you encounter a kangaroo. Are we talking <laughs> Sylvester like he thinks it's a big-ass mouse? 
Maybe. I don't what? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Anyway, we're supposed to stop cussing so much because my mama asked us to. Oh, I well, meant to tell you. Well, if mama says so, then we got to. Yeah, she was like, you need to stop cussing. I'm like, Ugh. Mama, have you talked to me? Yeah, I'm like, I cuss all the damn time. Anyway, if you're in the middle of Illinois at night and you suddenly encounter a wild kangaroo, you're going to be terrified. But are you going to be so scared that you're going to describe what these people describe? Which is nothing near no. what a kangaroo looks like. Unless, think, okay, think about this. What if, just completely hypothetical, of course, because we're talking about kangaroo in Illinois. What if she had a baby hanging out of her pouch? Or what if she was uh, had a horrible circus accident and only had one upper arm? Well, then how do you describe the three arms? Well, that I would mean, be the, the two, third the leg. Two arms the two legs. The yeah, your baby kangaroo makes more sense. Yeah, I know, because I said it. <laughs> but I'm just saying. No, I don't. What, it, look, <laughs> just think about it. You see a kangaroo with a baby kangaroo hanging out at night. I want to know if they got one of them orange spotlights hanging off a utility pole and it makes stuff look the wrong color. Maybe. And, I mean, that would explain the glowing eyes, too. Yeah, you're right. I think we may have just solved this. Right here, we solved it. We may have. We may have proved that it was a kangaroo. The kangaroo. <laughs> well, since we are now just clamoring, I do believe that they saw something they cannot explain. I don't think they hoaxed it necessarily. I don't think the young boy would have hoaxed it just because, like you said, he tells his parents, and then when the parents hear about McDaniel's sightings, it kind of corroborates what McDaniel said, unless McDaniel walked over and said, hey, here's what we're going to say. Yeah, like, and people are going to say, well, they hoaxed it for a profit. What profit? What profit did they make personally? Oh, it was a, it was a hoax to get tourism. Yeah, they did. The tourism did go a little bit, tick up just a little bit, but it was a bunch of drunk yahoos trying to kill a monster. And the, that's more trouble than it's worth. The sheriff threatened to put your butt in jail. I don't yeah. think that's going to work. Well, the sheriff's not the mayor. You know, the mayor's going to want the commerce. The sheriff's going to want the peace. But I'm saying it's definitely more trouble than it's worth to try to hoax this for publicity. And also, as we know, anytime people, it, I promise you, I'm not going to put my reputation on the line describing what these people describe. Unless I believed wholeheartedly I saw it. Correct. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was a kangaroo. Maybe it was a three-legged ape or something. I don't know. But I'm not going to come forward with this. I'm just not. No, and I wonder if other people had encounters and saw at the time the sheriff threatening to put McDaniel in jail and was like, no, nah, I'm not coming forward. Yeah, Maybe. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the case of the infield horror. So we get into recommendations as I slam my drink down. And I'm going to actually, against the better wishes of my co-host, recommend a podcast. Actually, I have a podcast, too. Because <laughs> No, no, and I got the explanation why. Well, mine is called The Dossier, and it is about the hypothesis theory that Biggie and Tupac were killed by rogue police officers of the Rampart Division of the LAPD. 
And if you've ever wondered how corrupt the LAPD is, look into the Rampart Division and the Crash Unit in the early 90s. It will amaze you. Was like a what? The Crash Unit and the Rampart Division of the LAPD's Robbery Homicide. You know, this man, one of the men in this division stole six pounds of cocaine and replaced it with Bisquick. <laughs> How do you get caught doing that? Well, his buddy shot and killed an, underco- an undercover cop, shot another cop, supposedly because he was flashing gang signs, and then everything went crazy. But anyway, I digress. If you like such things, check out the dossier on CastBox or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, you saying that made me think of something, so now I got two recommendations. I can do that because I can do whatever the hell I want. And both of them are podcasts. My wife got me involved in a podcast called um, Missing in Alaska. But if you, it's now on season two, and it's now called Missing on 9-11. And it's actually a case we should have done by now, but we haven't. It's a woman who goes missing on 9-10 in New York City. She lives at, like like the apartment building right next to the World Trade Center. She goes missing on 9-10. She doesn't come home. Where and she's never been seen again. Where was she? Did she die on 9/11? Did she die on 9/11? Where, it's, it's very interesting. That's not the one I wanted to recommend. But why I'm recommending this one is because a it's very well done. B there's a lot of good cases. And C if you get on to our uh, our pod, you get into our podcast, and sometimes you catch up. Sometimes you got an hour long commute, and our podcast is only forty minutes. You gotta find some filler. You gotta find some filler. And this is great because it's filler, but in the best way. It's everything we're we're doing. It's actually covered two the Stephen Kubecki, we did that one. It's covered uh it's covered a couple we've done, damn it. Just look it up. Okay. And it, they're all about twenty minutes long. Okay. Oh, they did the blood house. Yeah, that's the other one. But yeah, it, I listened to a couple on the way up here, man. She does a really good job, and it's it's called One Strange Thing, and it's a new a concept. It's a strange news story that would have been completely normal if not for some aspect. one strange thing. Yeah. So look it up. It was really good. I enjoyed it. So great, 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 great. That's great, man. Great. That is great. That's great. That's great. Well, you're great. I know I you are we're too. Great. I yeah. think we are too. Everything's great. It's it's awesome. We're on summer vacation, and I well, anyway, if my wife don't kill me with honeydew list stuff, I may make the next episode. Well, Slappy, you got anything else? I'm good, brother. All right, man. Well, deuces. <laughs>